All right. So, yo, 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 it's your boy, Yellow the Poet. I am here today with Mr. Brad Dude. Mr. Brad Dude is an author. He's also been doing some things with NASA, I noticed. And I'm very proud to actually have you here. Thank you so much for joining YTP Entertainment. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Well, um, I uh, have been in the uh, training and development business for a a long time. Uh, I was lucky enough to work internationally most of my career, uh, 35 plus countries, I guess I've I've worked in. And um, I think that experience uh, and downtime during that time allowed me to uh, develop uh, my writing a little bit. And uh, so I started to... uh, uh, mostly I was doing training in leadership and management development uh, for young uh, folks uh, just starting out on their careers in, in management or leadership. Awesome. So I've uh, finished about six books on leadership. And uh, and then uh, most recently, I uh, just uh, finished a, uh, a novel, which wow. just came out in March. So I'm very proud of that, too. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> that is Awesome. So with your novel that you just finished, um, what are your plans for? What are you looking to do with it? Well, um, it came out in March. Uh, I first actually wrote it as a screenplay because it's kind of an action adventure uh, novel about um, a shipload of migrants trying to find a safe place to live. And they've been... uh, turned away. It's kind of based on, unfortunately, on uh, reality today of the challenges that migrants face. Uh, And this was a group of Africans and Middle Eastern and uh, kind of South Asian uh, folks uh, who've been trying to get to Europe. They've been turned away from all the European ports. And so what do you do? Uh, Do we go back home and face the uh, repercussions of that? Or do we try to find a, a whole place and that's what the novel is all about the challenges that they face okay awesome awesome that is very very impressive i like that so um when you're helping some of the youth what are some of the challenges that you face in helping them um well uh, even at NASA and other uh, companies uh, that I've worked with around the world uh, as a consultant and manager, um, what I found was that oftentimes young folks are promoted, and of course everybody wants to be promoted, mm-hmm. but they want they get promoted because of their technical skills. So um, you know, if you're an architect, really great architect, you get promoted to being the manager, and so that's great but you don't really have any management skills or people skills that allow you to manage other architects. That's true. So oftentimes what happens is because they don't kind of know what to do, they end up kind of looking over the shoulder of the architects or whatever specialty it is who's doing the work and telling them, oh, no, that's not the way you do it this way kind of the way I used to do it. That's <laughs> called micromanagement. That ticks everybody off. Yes. And yes, uh, yes. leads to a, not a good... Uh, <laughs> uh, performing or so I leadership skills that helps them kind of hit the ground running. Awesome. Awesome. That is, that is wonderful. 
That is wonderful. So um, what are your um, current and some of your future goals when it comes to helping some of the youth? What do you, what do you, what do you actually look to help them to be able to do? Well, the uh, focus of uh, my, uh, I have six books on leadership that are out on Amazon. And they all have to do with kind of self-awareness, how we managers or leaders mm -hmm. uh, can, can, can be more successful. Mm -hmm. You know, it's found, research has found that the first year that folks are on the job, that's when they develop good skills, bad skills that kind of sticks with them a long time. So if you're an organization that is promoting from within, that's a good thing. But oftentimes these new folks don't even get to have training, you know, for several years after they're on the job and they've already habits and it's hard to keep habits. So um, <clears throat> my next to last book, it was called Quick, I Need to Be a Leader in 30 Days. Mm -hmm. And that's that was kind of based on a course, course I did at NASA for nine years. And the idea was, uh, and it also coincided with the uh, with uh, COVID uh, pl plague that we're all still dealing with. Yes. So there was fewer and fewer uh, in uh, classroom kinds of training available. Mm -hmm. So we were doing everything kind of like this by Zoom, which Perfect. is not as much fun and not as impactful, I don't think. <laughs> so the book, I wrote the book as if you couldn't go to a course, but you wanted to kind of walk through the course and it's a 30 days step-by-step. Step. Here's what to here's what to read, uh, here are the concepts, here's an exercise for you to do and talk to a supervisor or a coach uh, or a, a friend at the end of each week to kind of talk about what you've done. Okay. So uh, that's kind of how I've approached it uh, during the, the, uh, the COVID years. That's pretty cool. So although it has um, COVID has had an impact on multiple um, entrepreneurs, businesses, um, families, um, how has COVID um, forced you, I'll say it that way, to restructure what you do in your business? Yeah, well, for nine years, we were doing, uh, you know, uh, different courses in person in different places. And uh, COVID, you know, the first thing that kind of was cut was uh, in-person training. Mm -hmm. And so um, that really curtailed my time to get out there and travel around. And mm -hmm. so I've been more based at home doing some things, Zoom. For example, I did a, 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 a leadership course uh uh, last year for 50 people in three states all at the same time. Oh, wow. But all you see are, you know, a, a whole bunch of little pictures of, of people <laughs> in front of you, and uh, it's kind of difficult. And, and so that has kind of faded away as as well. And maybe things will pick up now that we're all doing better with getting vaccinated and everything. But yes, um, that allowed me more free time to actually focus on my writing. And in fact, the last year, that allowed me to focus on writing the novel, uh, which is called Finding Eden, A Perilous Quest to Find a Safe Migrant Homeland. Yes. Uh, also yes. on Amazon right now. So that allowed me 
the good news for me was it gave me some time off to uh, to work on the book. Awesome. So has um this amount of time, even though you've had this time off, has it impacted your writing either positively or negative in any way? Yeah, I think it's impacted uh, positively um, because I can go back through my other books. And, and what I kind of wanted to do was, you know, most of my the six books are all kind of they're nonfiction based on here's some practical approaches to leadership. Yeah. I think any new leader could use all six of them and have them in their little library and say, this is how I get smarter as quick as I can uh, in, in terms of leadership and management. Yes. So, but I wanted to also put it into a context that was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of leadership aspects in my novel that different uh, groups uh, who are in conflict with each other throughout the book. I've got shipwrecks and pirates and all kinds of folks in this new novel. Uh, a lot of a lot of action and adventure. <laughs> and and uh, but I wanted to also exhibit some leadership to show some people, some characters exhibiting leadership that I've talked about uh you know uh, uh specifically in my other books so that that was a positive impact of, of covid on me awesome awesome that is wonderful i'm definitely mm -hmm. glad to hear that because i've been hearing a lot about some of the negative impacts that people have had during covid and it's been it's been crazy it has been um <clears throat> so in your book um finding eden what are what is the main plot that you're looking for people to get from it? Um, the plot is all about a rescue ship in the Mediterranean Sea, mm -hmm. who, and there are actual ships doing that today that are rescuing uh, folks that go off the coast of oftentimes Libya. And in my story, it's about a group uh, that have gone uh, out of Libya, uh, and they rescue them at sea. Uh, and uh, try to find a, a, a place to go. And uh, with all of the European uh, ports closed to uh, uh, asylum seekers, mm -hmm. they are ordered to go to the next uh, nearest country and just dis disembark everybody and put them in detention camps. And unfortunately, there are detention camps all over the Mediterranean in Europe <laughs> that these, these folks have to have to go through. Most of them get deported back home, and that can be, uh, you know, that can be life threatening for for so many. So anyway, in my story, uh, the captain, uh, 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 we have a, a female German captain, sea captain, who makes a tough decision to go strike out and find a uh, an uncharted island that she had uh, found, and um, they go there to try to uh, at least have a temporary solution. And uh, so the challenges that they all face as they are. Uh, trying to survive together, uh, uh, different cultures all mushed together uh, to try to survive. Awesome, awesome. So can you tell me how does um, Finding Eden, is there any correlation between Finding Eden and your takeaways as you've been teaching leadership with NASA? Yeah, I think so. I, um, we find in the in the story that we've got uh, these terrible pirates who uh, run this island, and they have uh, thrown the different groups into three different camps, three mm. different villages, an African village, an Arab village, and a kind of South Asian village. 
and have perpetuated myths that each are after to try to kill each other. So we've got some built-in conflict between groups. And in leadership, you find conflict all the time in an organization, you know, as well. Sometimes true. it's not declared uh, that like it is in, in this, this novel. Uh, but we're, all, we're constantly dealing as leaders with conflict. How do we manage conflict? Uh, how do we try to reduce the emotional side of it? So part of it is emotional intelligence. That's a major aspect of all my leadership books. And people, your listeners can read tons of information on emotional uh, you know, intelligence. There's tons of books, beautiful books written about it. I put it in my a book as an example of the leadership principles, one of them that, that every leader ought to be considering. So throughout uh, Finding Eden, uh, you'll see the leaders uh, of these different groups try to talk to their, uh, their colleagues, their, their fellow uh, prisoners really on this island, uh, and eventually how they will work together and cooperate. And of course, kind of problem solving and cooperation is something that we all want mm -hmm. uh, in, in life, whether it's between uh, uh, departments in an organization or between uh, cultures uh, or between uh, political parties uh, that we have in America. The need for cooperation is 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 there uh, in all aspects of our lives today. And uh, this story kind of illustrates how a group of people uh, do that. Awesome. Awesome. So is there an, a difference in emotionally in teaching leadership and management skills at NASA versus teaching it anywhere else? Uh, I don't think there is. Uh, you know, NASA, we have found that, um, you know, they, they are usually at the top of the list of, uh, in satisfaction ratings, worker satisfaction in government. They're okay. usually the number one government agency to work with. And so you think, hey, they got it together. And in many ways they do, but uh, they face, you know, same problems I found in other places. Yes. You have, uh, you have uh, women, uh, young women who are promoted and they are technically brilliant. These are scientists and astrophysicists and engineers, brilliant people technically. Mm -hmm in charge of a, of a team of a lot of old old geezers who uh, have been there forever and uh, don't respect them, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, and this happens at NASA and it happens at, you know, every place you know else that I've ever worked uh, as well. Even yes. internationally, you've got similar kinds of problems. It's how do I, how do I show, how do I demonstrate that I'm a good employee Mm -hmm. uh, how do I balance my work and job? Yes. Uh, I mean, I've had uh, senior people come as guest speakers at NASA and they say, hey, we're not, we're trying to reduce stress. When you guys go home on the weekends, you, uh, you know, turn off your cell phones and relax because this, you know, the job will be here on Monday morning when you come back. So then these guest speakers leave and we ask the group, what do you think? And they say, well, it's not true. Yes. <laughs> you know, that, hey, I can't, I don't want to be left behind. I got to leave this on all the time. I'm not going to let my colleague who's trying to get a promotion with me 
let him get ahead of me. So, uh, you know, those challenges are all there. Yes. Uh, no matter what the org official organization will say, it's, you know, individuals are trying to get ahead in the world and they need to, uh, uh, they need to, to keep up. And so they'll do whatever needs to be done. And that is a challenge uh, with uh, balancing the work and the home life. Yes, yes, indeed. So what would be some of, what would be, i put it like this, what are the top three uh, key leadership points that you teach that you feel are the most important to learn first? Uh, to me, self-awareness is the most important one. I mean, uh, a colleague of mine developed in our very first book, uh, What Makes You Tick and What Ticks You Off. We developed uh, a, a kind of a spinoff on some of the personality tests that are, that are given. Mm -hmm. uh, we can talk about that. But, uh, you know, that to me is is very important. Uh, in, in my next to last book, Quick, I Need to Be a Leader in 30 Days, uh, I think there are, you know, basic leadership principles like emotional intelligence and self-awareness. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, you know, uh, I, I also like uh, the whole idea of, uh, of uh, kind of the one minute manager of kind of being able to identify uh -huh. the needs of your employee as the three top ones uh, for me. But uh, those are all, you know, critical, I think, to any leader as you start off. And all of my books touch on those, at least those three things in one form or another. Awesome. 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 So um that it, uh, I love it. I love it. So how does a person's temperament influence whether they are a good leader or not? Um it's it's part it's part of of the issue around being a good leader. Mm -hmm. You know, um, in our model uh, of uh, of temperament, it's called the basic elements of temperament. And my late partner, Jim Harden, and I developed this. Um, you know, it's genetics plays a role in in our temperament. We're born means we're born with it. Temperament is that inborn quality of our personality. Yes. Um, but to me, that's half of the story. We also have uh, choices that we make. You know, in my workshops, I typically say, you know, it's 50% genetics that you're predisposed to act in a certain way because of your temperament. But 40% right. is the choice you make because we have all the temperaments are in us. Yes. We, in our model, earth, air, fire, and water, the four basic elements. Elements, yes. And we have, we have all of those in us, all four. So although we are predisposed when we see a situation or we see an employee doing something, um we have choices that we make and it it could or may or may not be the one that's most that most predisposes you to, to act right and the circumstance and circumstances are all different too so the the answer is uh, the temperament does influence your behavior mm -hmm. it does it in different ways uh, and uh, what we do with self is part of our self-awareness aspect of our leadership training and in the books. Um, it's all about understanding a little bit more about the um, about the genetic side, about the four basic elements of temperament that get us in trouble and make us view the world the way we do. And so we spend a lot of time. We spent all day uh, on that in our leadership class at uh, at NASA. 
uh, and it's it's a lot of fun, and it's uh, for a lot of people, it's it's eye opening. Yes, yes, indeed. So, in um, in your training for leadership, when when did you decide that this was something that you actually wanted to focus on and become career oriented with it? Uh, I used to work for, uh, um, well, I actually started, I think, uh, during my time, I was a, a, a staff member for Peace Corps uh, overseas mm. uh, in, uh, in Micronesia, in Central Pacific, uh, okay. and, in, uh, and in Samoa at the time. And um, so you, you get to understand some of the challenges, leadership challenges that you actually experience. Yes. Um, and then I, uh, when I came back to the States after that uh, Time, 10 years or so overseas. I worked for um, uh, Westinghouse and then uh, they also had international projects of which they would bid on different things. And so I was the project manager of one of the Middle East and the uh, Gaza Strip and uh, the West Bank. Um, and and so more, more, more leadership, but then I was doing it from afar. I was kind of in Washington, D.C. with the guys doing the work in Jordan, and I would only visit once a year to, to, to see them and kind of rapidly problem solve. So there was, you know, then, then we did a lot of other international work and it got to where the training that we would do got closer and closer into more just leadership and it became leadership and management. You know, leadership and management, people kind of confuse the terms. They're not the same. Although, although today, you're usually hired as a manager. You're not usually hired as a leader. And yes. so I think that's part of the confusion that that, that people have. Yes. And so um, I think in, in the trainings, we would try to explain more of the differences between them. And that got into more and more discussions about leadership and what mm -hmm. makes a leader. And there's so many different points of view uh, yes. on leadership. And there's so many books written uh, on leadership. So I thought, hey, I need to add a few more, <laughs> a few more books, you know, and give them my perspective uh, on it uh, as well. But I did it from more from a more practical side of, hey, you're in this job now. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's been pretty good reviews on on doing it that way. So, do you think that a person can make a good leader or a good manager? if they're emotionally detached from society? No, uh, I think that, you know, that's kind of the old, uh, an older fashion idea. You know, you've heard, or I'm sure people would say, hey, just, you know, leave your, leave your emotions at the door when you yes. come to work, just get to work, get the job done. Yes. Well, the, uh, the emotional intelligent leader will say, no, that's unrealistic people are emotional creatures uh and we need to you know be aware of that yes um, and uh you know one of our four basic elements we call it the air temperament is kind of like um you know the the sheldon character on the big bang theory theory yep. the, the brilliant person who doesn't communicate with people they yes. doesn't get it and there are leaders with that as their dominant temperament and so they're often looked at as really being a cold fish mm -hmm. uh you know hey don't go to that guy with your problems because he doesn't get it or 
or she doesn't care. So, uh, and so I think part of developing and part of the reason why we have the model of the basic elements of temperament is so that we are more aware that we have that within us. We can all be a little detached at times. Yes. There are other times when we need to acknowledge that we've got a, a follower of ours who needs some support. And that's our job too, as a good leader. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. So is there ever a time where someone needs to actually go ahead and jump through a couple of hula hoops, jump through a blazing fire and just catch themselves before there's any danger. I'm I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I'm just yeah, messing. <laughs> of course of course there there are. In fact, you know, think about it. There's we when you're a new leader, there is nothing but hoops in front of you to, to jump through, you know? And you know, a lot of people close the door and won't jump through any. That's and that's, true. And that's not good either. That's not good either. So many times you, you can't win. You know, it's a little trial by fire by jumping through that hoop, but it's a bigger fire when you don't even try. That's so true. Uh, that is so true. <laughs> so in your years of growing up, did you ever come to a realization with oneself that there are certain traits that you needed to um, have or carry in order to be in a position that you need to be once you mature? Hmm. I don't want to pretend that I was very self-aware growing up. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think I really knew what was in store or what I should be doing uh, as I was growing up. Okay. Um, you know, I had uh, a great father uh, and mother uh, who would give me advice. I'm sure I didn't take as much as I should have. I've had great teachers, great coaches, you know, in sports. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, many of us, we don't get it until it's too late, you know, <laughs> and that we're kind of on a path. Yeah. Know? And so uh, we try to do the best we can. Uh, and then kind of looking back, we kind of acknowledge, yeah, I had a lot of good help. I didn't really take advantage as much as I should have. You know? That's true. <laughs> so um, uh, when you were teaching the international students, was there either a relation or was there a difference or was there both that you had to deal with when you were teaching students overseas internationally and then come back to America and teaching students over here? Was there a difference? Uh, there was a little bit of a difference, uh, I, I would say. You know, the um, I mostly worked in the Pacific uh, doing leadership training. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, island cultures are... Uh, know how to deal with conflict pretty well mm -hmm. when you think about it if you're born on an island with only a few hundred or a few thousand people you can't be in constant conflict all the time you wouldn't survive yeah so there is that kind of ingrained cultural issue mm -hmm. there that would avoid confrontation so this is a challenge when you have young especially those who are younger ones uh who uh, younger uh, uh, professionals 
who have been educated off island uh, in Europe or in Asia uh, or in the States and they come back, mm -hmm. their boss is the old traditional guy who, uh, you know, doesn't want to hear it. Oh, doesn't wow. want to hear these newfangled methods that you've learned in, you know, Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And now we're, we're down in Fiji and, you know, <laughs> it's not relevant. And so it's frustrating for the young folks who want to try out some new things and think they see a better way to help their organization. So, so that aspect was there. But luckily, I'd worked in the Pacific for many years, so I, it, it was it didn't throw me. But it, it just takes more time. I, in fact, I did the uh, temperament workshop uh, many times out there, and uh, people fell into the four groups uh, the same way as uh, any place else. Oh, wow. But how they kind of look at it um, is a little bit different um, because there, there's that that deference to authority. So okay. there's that, we don't want to challenge it, mm -hmm. you know, as easily as an American uh, organization would. Right. Um, you know, we, in many times, we Americans, we, we value the sharp guy who can, you know, find the right answer and challenge authority, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that doesn't go real well on out in the uh, necessarily out in the Pacific, where it's the group. It's a group is more important than the individual. So it's a different kind of uh, approach in in some respects. Got it. Got it. Okay. So um, wow, that is that is that's very interesting. It's crazy. <laughs> so. When um, you're dealing with those types of um, situations, when you first walk into a classroom, what is the expectation or what are some of the things that you look for in the individual's body language? Hmm. Body language. Uh, I guess when I first walk in, I. I I usually ask the question, uh, how many people are there uh, have volunteered to be in the classroom first? And then they raise their hand. And then I say, well, how many are voluntold to be in the classroom? <laughs> Meaning they're required, their boss forces them to come. And so uh, I usually get a laugh out of that, uh, out of it. And so you kind of break, try to break the ice, you know, yes. because you know a lot of them, many have been. Because, you know, even at a place at NASA, many people will say, you know, I've tried everything I can with this with this employee. Nothing works. Send him to Brad's leadership class. Maybe he can do something with him. And so we're on the receiving end sometimes of people who uh, aren't real happy to be where they are, you know. So uh, some of the body language, I guess, um, are, are, are kind of the, the folded arms and kind of, yes. you know, <laughs> Prove to me, I show me, teach me something that I don't already know because I've been in this organization for 25 years. What are you going to teach me? You know, yes. so I, you do get that now and then. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we use my colleagues and I, we try to use humor as much uh, as we can. Uh, we try to show them that leadership is not all being serious you know, all, all the time. Exactly. Um, and that it can be, it can be fun. 
and we're all in this together kind of kind of thing. Right. But there'll still be people. You know, I've had people have gone sat through my whole course and didn't say two words. Even when you call on them, they kind of mumble and mm. don't do anything. And you know that they just don't want to be there, don't get it, don't care, aren't going to change. And, you know, I don't, I can only do so much. And then I kind of move on to those who are more interested and willing to get involved and kind of give them the attention. But uh, it's sad to see that because they're, those people are kind of wasting their time. Uh, and, you know, you hate to see that, but it happens. That's true. So do you think that, um, I know that sometimes I know that there is an age difference in the people who have been in leadership and been in management for quite some time. And then they are encountering this young person that's finally coming up. Do you think that there could be some form of um, jealousy or envy or just maybe some form of dismay where they just don't click at first for some apparent reason? Sure. Uh, there's that. And that gets into, um, I think that can get into temperament mm -hmm. uh, a little bit, uh, how you react to the workforce. Um, because chances are most of the workforce does not have your same temperament. So, um, you know, uh, sometimes we've talked about it in our, in our, in our course where you say you've seen bosses or heard bosses say, I want to treat everybody the way I, I want to be treated. You, know, you hear that yes except except that uh the way you want to be treated is different than how a lot of these people want to be treated <laughs> so it's more of what we call the that's the golden rule right yes, you want others, yes right? definitely <laughs> we, we, we kind of say that there's a platinum rule where you do unto others the way they want to be treated okay so that implies you're more aware of your followers mm-hmm and are are not only aware and aware of your yourself, mm. how you are coming across to them, right? And so that often comes up in our temperament classes where we talk about, hey, uh, you know, we use earth, air, fire, and water as to describe the four uh, elements. And if you are an earth, which is the more traditionalist, you know, usually about forty-two percent of the American population are earths, yes, often in positions of authority. Uh, as well, whether it's the teacher or a boss, a manager, a supervisor. Mm -hmm. um, but if you've got, you know, th three other temperaments in your organization that are that are not Earths, and one of them, for some folks, Earth is their shadow temperament. That's their fourth of the of the four that usually they have a negative reaction to. Okay, that means that they're predisposed to have a negative reaction to whatever you do. Mm -hmm. as an earth and so right off the bat it's a there's a, your hula hoop yes you've got employees <laughs> who aren't getting it from you automatically you got to work yes, so, yes indeed. So you can <laughs> see the need to understand these elements a little bit better right you right know? and therefore when i know that you uh are predisposed not to kind of go along with what I say. I'm going to have to work more with you to understand kind of where you're coming from and make sure I'm communicating better to you yes. so that you know what I'm trying to do. Exactly. Yes. And that's, uh, that's the challenge. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> so just saying, I want to treat everybody the way I want to be treated. That doesn't cut it for the real effective leader. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. So um, I'm remembering that you mentioned breaking the ice. Is there some type of um, game or gaming technique that you would use to help kind of, you know, ease the class a little bit, make them feel a little bit more comfortable? We have a number of uh, games uh, that we play uh, in our in our course courses, and it, it's a way of not only breaking the ice but just kind of getting people up and moving them around a little bit. But one of the first ones we do is, uh, to, to, and also we do it in the first day typically, uh, is to put everybody in a big circle with a ball. Uh, and I would say, uh, I would start off with, I'm holding the ball and I say, uh, I'm Brad, uh, I enjoy writing. And I would throw the ball to somebody who'd catch it. Mm -hmm. And they would point back to me and say, you're Brad, you enjoy writing. I'm uh, yellow. I enjoy podcasting. And you throw to the next person who then says, you're yellow. You enjoy podcasting. He's Brad. He enjoys writing. My name's Shirley. I enjoy sewing. Right. <laughs> now, all the way around. Now, if you're the very last person, uh -huh. <laughs> you've got to go through the whole class, right? So that's a fun way and people help each other out. And so, so that's one way that we have done it to kind of break the ice and learn people's got a little bit about their background, kind of what they like. Yes. So that's an example. <laughs> oh, that's pretty a lot, cool. of, <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah. Like we use that. a lot of games. Um, uh, my, uh, my, my co-trainer oftentimes at NASA, Jeff Whitehead was a real games uh, expert. Uh, and he would design all kinds of uh, leadership games that would illustrate a point and oftentimes we would have them do the exercise uh and then have a debriefing where they talk about how they did as a team what worked mm -hmm. who was the leader did the leadership change through you know so you use that so it's not just a lecture right you know on you know open your books it's not it's not like a university <laughs> professor right. this is a training so these are adults so it's adult learning this is, uh, you know, try, here's the concept, try it out, and let's talk about how you did or didn't yes, do. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, um, well, tell the audience, what are some of the key takeaways in all of your lectures combined? Uh, well, typically, uh, I, uh, in terms of takeaways, um, is that uh, leader, I think, uh, in terms of, of leadership, is that uh, leadership comes in many forms, uh, that uh, self-awareness is the key to being an effective leader. Um, uh, I would say that uh, you can lead without a title. We say in our class often, you lead from wherever you are in the organization. You don't have to have a, the title manager or team leader or supervisor or anything like that. That has nothing to do with it. In fact, we talk about the the types of power, three types of power uh, in an organization. Briefly, I'll, I'll let me explain. First is that position power. When you get that, mm -hmm. 
built. Hey, I'm the boss. Oftentimes, you know, that's reflected and you get the better office. Uh, you get a secretary in some organizations or you get the company car or, you know, there, there are physical um, examples of that show that you've got the position power. Yes. But that position power, it, it doesn't stay with you. When you move to another company, you don't retain that title. It stays in the organization and the next person gets that position power. So that's power that's temporary. Yeah. Uh, it's, the least, it's the least powerful of the three types of power uh, because oftentimes people follow you because of the con negative consequences if they don't, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You don't want to do what I say? Good, you're fired. Yeah. Or you want to go work on this project or you don't get to do this or that. Mm -hmm. So the second power is the power of competence. And it's the whole about thing about your education. Uh, and experience. So this is power that stays with you no matter where you go. You you get it, uh, part of it, you get it, um, you know, from your parents. You didn't do anything to get it. Your parents gave you that innate ability to uh, to learn or to uh, be excited about something. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of times your own, uh, your own get up and go willingness to participate. Uh, is there and that experience as well. That's why as a good leader, you want to give your employees as much, uh, many different kinds of experiences as you can, because that adds, that builds their confidence. They, they're more competent. That means they can make a better contribution to the organization. Yes. People people follow people like that because they know, hey, this person's trying to help the exactly. organization. They're smart and yes. I'm going to stick with them, right? Yes. And so that, that's power that goes with you. When you go to the next your next job, you take that experience and that education and that up and go, that goes with you, right? Yes. So that's important. That's, a, that's an important power. The third one is the power of a positive reputation. Mm -hmm. This is where you have demonstrated, usually over a period of time, your competence and your willingness to help others and your contribution you make to the organization. Yes. Your reputation also follows you wherever you go. This is where people follow you because of who you are. Oh. Hey, that yellow, I'll follow him. I'll do whatever he wants. Doesn't matter what. I'm he's the man, right? Yes. If you get a leader like that, you got a great leader. Right. And that's that power goes with you. So three types, you know, of, of power yes. uh, that we talk about any leader uh can have yes we all think hey i gotta have that position power but we teach that's the lowest of all of them <laughs> so you know you can be a leader you don't have to have the position of title there to to be a good leader that's true well, those are some of the takeaways that is true that is so true so um tell our audience um where they can reach you some of the titles of your book where they can actually get your book from or your books i'm sorry your books from yeah they're they're, they're all on they're all on uh amazon uh they're all linked into my uh website which is braddude.com that's b-r-a-d-d-u-d-e.com um we've got even my uh, uh finding eden the latest one is, is on there and you can link goes through there also all my uh, connections through uh you know twitter or youtube and all those are also there we did a number of uh, youtube uh, uh shows as well uh that illustrate some of the books in more in more detail mm -hmm. um you know so i've got uh 
Finding Eden is the the, the latest, uh, and uh, I think awesome. we've got good reviews. So good, we need more and more reviews. Would be great. Um, <laughs> quick, I need to be a leader in thirty days. Uh, is the the next uh, newest one? But we've done. You know what makes you tick and what ticks you off. Uh, how the basic elements will lead to a happier life, because uh, that's application uh, both on the job and off the job. Yes, uh, well, yes. <laughs> we kind of focus, the second one is a ebook on uh, successfully applying the basic elements uh, of temperament at work. A lot of example stories that of, of people trying to apply those uh, kind of on the job. I've got uh, 40 tips for figuring out your boss. Uh, I was finding that people were asking us, uh, some of my colleagues and I about, well, what if I have a air boss? You know, I've got earth, air, fire, and water. What if my dominant one is an heir and he's really emotionally distant? And what how can I what can I do? So we we did a, a book called 40 Ways of Figuring Out to Figure Out Your Boss. So it gives you ideas if you no matter who your boss is, an earth, an air, a fire, or a water, gives you some insight into things to look for, things you can't do, things you, you could do, things yes. to expect, what not to expect, kind of kind of thing. Awesome. Uh, then I've got one called uh, keeping uh, Keeping your teenagers safe on the road should be no accident. We try to apply our temperament to new teenage drivers. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was really for parents kind of with a checklist because you think about it, if you've got a fire who's a, a dominant fire as a teenager, who's a, let's, let's, let's go, let's take the shortcuts and let's go fast and let's be distracted. Yes. Uh, what can you do about that? You know? So uh, we did that story to kind of help parents with uh, kind of help their teenage drivers kind of what to look for and things like that when it comes to the temperament. Right. Um, and then I did a, uh, we did a children's book around Christmas, the uh, uh, the Great Shadows Five Christmas Secrets. You know, the shadow temperament is one that we really that's a that's that's what our model of temperament distinguishes us from mbti and disc and enneagram and some of the other personality tests right we really focus on the shadow you know we're born with all four temperaments earth air fire water mm. you know like a stack plates in a restaurant with okay. the top plate being our dominant temperament mm. that's how we view the world right mostly and the last one is our shadow temperament when we see those behaviors we typically have a negative reaction to it oh wow so that's the one when we see that behavior in our organization from our employees we sometimes get ticked off about it mm. and sometimes we don't know why we get ticked off yeah that. and that's one of the reasons cool Not the only reason but <laughs> reason. so um so there's there, there's that that that's we thought that's important for the to explore the shadow a little bit more and so it's it's a, it's a little uh, actually it's fiction of the shadow kind of jumping through a, a number of examples around the holiday season of where we see uh the shadow comes out in in many of us and and why that's pretty cool that is pretty cool yeah. <laughs> i definitely thank you so much for joining us here at YTP Entertainment. Thank you so much for all the info, information that you've shared. I truly enjoyed it. It's definitely an inspiration. And I hope that my audience feel that same inspiration as well. You have definitely been great. Thank you so, so much.
Thank, thank you, Yellow, for having me. Uh, it was uh, it was a pleasure to chat about about leadership and finding Eden and and yes. all the good stuff. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yes, everybody, please check out MrBradDude.com. Check out his latest book, Finding Eden. Mr. Brad Dude, thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. Peace and blessings.